0: Of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show.
1: And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when a great decision—I think it's a smart decision, it's an up the middle decision, it's what the country needs—has been issued down in a Florida courtroom concerning the affidavit that was the grounds for the search warrant that has caused so much uproar all across the country. I will tell you how, to what extent, and in what way it's going to be made public, and that the public will find out what exactly, if any, is the evidence that the government has that suggests that it was uh, likely that uh, President Trump had committed a crime which was the basis for the search warrant in the first place. Uh, we will get to that. We will be speaking also about the political ambitions. Are they political ambitions or are they cause ambitions of uh, Liz Cheney? Uh, now that she has lost her congressional seat, she'll continue to serve in Congress up through uh, January of next year. But at that point, she is uh, organizing a a new uh organization uh, putting together a new political movement that she calls the Great Task, citing the Gettysburg Address, just as she cited the example of Lincoln in her concession speech uh, yesterday. The uh, It wasn't yesterday, it was uh, two nights ago. Uh, it, it, it all goes by so quickly, so the latest for Liz Cheney, and what do we do about uh, pursuing any further investigations, charges against President Trump, if that is simply going to divide the country more and create the situation that if you actually succeed in putting him in jail, you may also succeed in putting him in the White House. And by the way, there, there is nowhere where it says that being convicted of a felony or going to jail makes you ineligible to run for president or to serve as president. Uh, What do you do about that entire situation, about what comes first, uh, some kind of vigorous investigation of every wrong deed, every dubious decision President Trump has ever made, or actually looking forward and seeing what is going to work best for the country? And uh, we will be speaking about that with conservative columnist Mona Charon who has written some very provocative pieces on this subject. We'll be talking to her later. Also talking about the disastrous decision, and everybody agrees it was disastrous, to vacate Afghanistan. What does it mean a year later? How are things actually going in Afghanistan? Uh, Colin P. Clark is uh, deeply involved as a research fellow at the Soufan Center. Uh, Taking a look at terrorism and international security, he has a new report on Afghanistan and life under the Taliban that is very important to hear. We'll be speaking to him about that. And is it true that Sarah Palin is at risk of losing in Alaska, despite the fact that she was widely favored to actually take that congressional seat that has been left vacant for a few weeks more by the death of Don Young? Actually, I think that any objective person looking at this who isn't just completely stoked up on pale and hatred will look at the situation and say she's likely to win. She is likely to go to Congress, and uh, then she'd have to defend that congressional seat in the elections in November. But between now and uh, next January, I think she is likely to be a member of the House of Representatives, which is called a victory. Uh, And uh, there is breaking news today. Uh, Brian Stelter, who uh, is a particularly uh, disliked figure among movement conservatives, is going to be departing CNN. Uh, I know life will never be the same without him there, but he uh, uh, was the host of Reliable Sources, which at one point was, I believe, hosted... uh, 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 by uh, her, Howard Kurtz, who is now with Fox News. And uh, Stelter uh, is, is leaving as they are canceling reliable sources. Uh, tragedy? Not entirely. And the uh, former CFO, Chief Financial Officer of the Trump Organization, has pleaded guilty in all 15 counts of tax fraud and uh, has agreed to testify against the company. The company is called the Trump Organization. This in New York, we told you this was coming, it means that um, that Alan Alan Weisselberg, the former CFO of the Trump Organization, is uh, not going to go to jail for years and years and years, but he will go to prison. Uh, This is not Something that uh, I think will be celebrated by uh, President Trump and his inner circle, not in any sense. Okay, first of all, the, the race in Wyoming, which got so much attention, is over. But the argument over a concession statement is uh, not over at all. It's just beginning. This really shows the level of the division that you have within the Republican Party. The victorious candidate, a lawyer, former candidate for governor, Harriet Hageman, uh, was on, on Hannity's TV show, and she told Hannity that Cheney never really conceded she just got a voicemail and this is what Harriet Hageman said this is clip seven
2: There wasn't a phone call. While I was going in and getting ready to do my acceptance speech last night and had just arrived at the watch party, she called and left a very brief two-second message on my my cell phone. That's the extent of it. I haven't had any other contact with Liz Cheney. She only made the one effort and all she said was, hello, Harriet, and then that was the end of it. So uh, she didn't call and discuss with me any kind of concession or anything else. It was just a one phone call. I was obviously extremely busy with family and
1: friends. She just said, hello, Harriet, and then hung up?
2: That was the end of the call, yes. That was the the only time. It was about 8.15 last night.
1: Okay, again, given the fact that President Trump has been uh, so roundly and widely criticized for never conceding, I still think he hasn't conceded to Joe Biden. uh, This would be shocking that Liz Cheney didn't even uh, concede. But the Cheney team actually had a recording of the actual call that Harriet Hageman uh... described and it's very different here is uh... what uh... Liz Cheney's actual concession phone call sounded like clip eight Hi
2: Harriet, Liz Cheney calling. It's uh, about 8.13 on uh, Tuesday the 16th I'm calling to concede the election uh, and uh, to, uh, to congratulate you on the win. Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, it's brief to the point, but you heard the words concession, and to congratulate you on the win, she sounded unusually chipper, uh, didn't she? But then the Hageman campaign staff sent their own video to a political, ro- political reporter of the voicemail they received from Cheney. In it, you only hear the words Howdy, Harriet, before it cuts out. The voicemail had more time on it, but that's the audio that got through to Hageman, apparently. It sounded like this. Okay. Uh, Could it be that um, there was some kind of technical problem with the telephone connection in Wyoming? Um, Actually, I think this is one of the silliest arguments imaginable. But the record is very clear, and and again, they can prove from the Cheney side that that telephone call went through. They have a tape of it where she said, I congratulate you on your win, and I'm conceding. Uh, In any event, there's no doubt, certainly not with the level of uh, the, the margin between the two candidates, that Hageman won, Cheney lost. But does that loss just set up potential bigger victories in the future? We'll be talking about that and more coming up on the Medved Show. america this is the michael medved show and on the michael medved show sarah palin obviously is a big name uh... she was a nominee for vice president of the united states she remains uh... popular in the republican party nationally she has never been that popular among republicans in alaska she quit as governor that was something that counts against her And, in fact, she was attacked as a quitter in her race for the Congress of the United States. And uh, this is actually going to elect a member of Congress who is going to take office in the Congress of the United States in September of this year. So just basically a couple of weeks from now. But it's that complicated Alaska system that is just nutty. The uh, most up-to-date returns that I can find show that Sarah Palin is running second to the Democratic candidate uh... whose name is Peltola who would be the first uh, native alaskan to serve in congress and uh... first democrat in many many years i mean because don young had held that seat which is the only seat in, in the house that alaska uh... puts forward and sends to washington but uh... Peltola has 38% of the vote. Palin has 32% of the vote. Nick Begich, who is the other leading Republican candidate, along with Sarah Palin, has 29% of the vote. So it's it's very close between him and Palin. The way Palin could lose is if uh, Begich actually uh, passes her. In that case, then she is out, and her second-choice voters get applied to the race between Begich and, uh, a- and Peltola. Okay, what all of this means is that if Sarah Palin keeps her narrow lead over Nick Begich, it seems to me very likely that most of the Republicans who voted for Begich are, are not going to turn around and vote for the Democrat. But uh, the Democrat has been emphasizing she's a consensus builder, so though that, that should be possible. It also may be that uh, Lisa Murkowski, she's coming out of the primary here strong because she led in the uh, race with uh, uh, Kelly Chewbacca, who is the Trump-endorsed candidate and is actually somebody who people in Trump world I love a lot. Uh, Lisa Murkowski 44% of the vote, Chewbacca 40% of the vote, but the way that would work in the general election, and again, this is this system they have, uh, there would be Murkowski and Chewbacca are surely going into the general election. They're both going to clear the primary. They're not sure w- who the third and fourth place candidates will be who will clear the primary and go into the general election. And the assumption is that Murkowski, who's been a senator for a long time and her father was governor and he was a senator from Alaska, that Murkowski would get enough second place votes from people who don't want to see a Democrat like Chesbro, who is one of the runners there, uh, taking that seat in the Senate that uh, they would, uh, that there would be enough second-place votes for Murkowski to put her over the line. Whereas Chewbacca, basically, if you like Chewbacca, uh, who is the Trump-endorsed candidate, and uh, then you would have voted for her at this time, and it would be unlikely that you would put her in second place if you voted for one of the Democrats. But who knows? Uh, The election's still going on in Alaska. Uh, Something else that is still going on, uh, an explosion that erupted inside a mosque during uh, evening prayers last night in Afghanistan's capital killed 21 people and injured 33 others. That, according to a spokesperson for the Kabul police chief, uh, security forces were investigating the incident in the city's police district seventeen uh... following today's explosion we admitted twenty seven patients to our surgical center for war victims in Kabul including five minors, one of them a seven-year-old boy said the uh... medical officials two patients arrived dead one died in the emergency room And it goes on. Uh, Remember, the whole idea of the United States withdrawing from Afghanistan was not only to protect Americans, but to encourage the idea of a peaceful development under the Taliban leadership. Uh, Not so much with uh, problems like this uh, still afflicting that country. And uh, the, the truth of the matter is that... Uh, This continues to be an issue and a crucial issue, as everybody points out, uh, concerning the collapse of Joe Biden's approval. The other crucial issue, inflation, where all you have to do is look at what's going on in Britain to realize just how serious this can be. Uh, They're talking now inflation is moving in the wrong direction in Britain. It's going to be over 10 percent. Some people are saying for the rest of the year, 14 percent inflation and almost surely pushing Britain into a recession Uh, for CNN is covering that. A lot of Americans are going to be feeling inflation when they send their kids back to school coming up uh, very soon. Uh, This is the report on CNN. Clip one.
2: This year, the average American household will spend $864 on back-to-school shopping, 40% higher than before the pandemic. Like everything else that costs more, parents can blame inflation. I was um, surprised about the you know, cost of like pens and paper and notebooks and all of that. That went up. It's beyond the basics. Tape is up almost 70 percent, glue 30 percent, sneakers 12 percent, and backpacks up 2 percent.
1: Okay, and uh, generally, uh, pencil prices and more, this coverage by another major network, and not one that is known to be hostile to the Biden administration, NBC. Listen, clip five. Kicking off today's back to school supply drive. Kids are returning to classrooms nationwide,
2: and the cost of supplies is soaring. And this morning, we want to help. Yes, according to adoptaclassroom.org, teachers get this, spend an average of $750 of their own money last year on classroom materials. That was the highest amount ever. And here's what teachers are, are facing this year the cost of pencils up 40% since 2020. A ream of paper rising nearly 60%.
1: Okay, why would school supplies be so much more than the general rate of inflation? And this is a serious matter because generally across the country, uh, families with kids, and this is true across ethnic groups uh, and, frankly, across economic groups, families with kids are more likely to uh, go Republican. The uh, single Uh, uh, individuals, single parents and others uh, more likely to go Democratic. Uh, This is one of the reasons that uh, Republicans, I think, will be mobilized and will turn out and still have to have the edge in the likely winner at least on the House side of the struggle. More on that and uh, an allegation that Israel's 50 times worse than Nazi Germany. Who says so? We'll get to it.
0: List of history shows at medvidhistorystore.com. This is the Michael Medvid Show.
1: And the history shows are free if you are a, a member of Medhead Plus, which is a great opportunity. It costs you 22 cents a day. You get access to this show, the download version of this show, podcast version of this show. Uh, that's available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, no cost at all, and it's without commercials. And you also get free access to downloading any of our history programs, including our history programs on the history of the Middle East. And uh, there's a big article and a really a worldwide uh, furor over a truly outrageous comment that was made by the Palestinian leader, Mahmoud Abbas, who, by the way, is serving in his 18th year uh, of his four-year term. After he was elected to the four-year term, he canceled all the subsequent elections, which uh, the Palestinians have not been able to get together to hold. So, uh, dictator Abbas... Uh, the Palestinian leader, and this is from the New York Times, Mahmoud Abbas, accused Israel of carrying out 50 holocausts of Palestinians as he stood alongside the German Chancellor in Berlin then uh, walked the comments back yesterday in the face of an international outcry from leaders and officials who denounced the remarks as anti-semitic holocaust denial which, by the way, Uh, Mr. Abbas Abu Mazen has a lot of background with. Uh, Mr. Abbas, the 87-year-old president of the Palestinian Authority, was speaking during a joint news conference with Chancellor Olaf Scholz of Germany on Tuesday night. The comment that caused the uproar was a response to a reporter who asked Mr. Abbas if he was ready to apologize for the killings of 11 Israeli athletes... In Munich by the uh, Palestinian Black September group at the Munich Orton because we're just coming up obviously to the 50th anniversary of that Olympic massacre and uh, and the people who committed that massacre from Palestinian Black September were hailed as heroes by the Palestine Liberation Organization at the time and were praised for killing these innocent people who would come to complete, compete in the Olympics, this celebration of peace and international unity, etc., etc. Germany is planning to mark the 50th anniversary of the Munich terrorist attack in the fall. Mr. Abbas replied when he was asked if uh, the Palestinian authority the, would, would apologize for the atrocity and the murders at the Olympics. He replied that Israel had committed 50 massacres in Palestinian-populated areas from 1947 until today, adding for emphasis 50 massacres, 50 holocausts, using the English term for the Nazi genocide, uh... during world war two now just to put this in perspective fifty holocausts would mean uh... three hundred million people (laughs) no one no one, can find evidence of three hundred million or six million or anything even vaguely close to that in uh... all of the battles and the wars and the terrorist conflagrations involving Israel and the Palestinians. Palestinian population has not been wiped out. It is higher today, living in all parts of the world, including, by the way, a big community in Chicago of almost uh, more than 100,000 people of Palestinian ancestry. So this is completely outrageous. Uh, and uh, in Berlin on Tuesday night, Mr. Schultz, uh, grimaced when Mr. Abbas made his remarks, according to local media reports from the scene. But he did not immediately upbraid or contradict the Palestinian leader, and the news conference was brought to a swift end. Soon after, the German chancellor strongly condemned Mr. Abbas's words, and on Wednesday morning, he tweeted in English, German, and Hebrew to say he was disgusted by the outrageous remarks made by Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. And uh, the there's a comment by Armin Laschet, uh, who is the defeated candidate. He's the candidate of the Conservatives in uh, in Germany. That's the Christian Democrats. He said the PLO leader would have gained sympathy if he had apologized for the terrorist attack on Israeli athletes at the Munich Olympics in 1972. He said accusing Israel of 50 Holocausts instead is the most disgusting speech ever heard in the German chancellery and uh, the, the problem with all of this is that it, it highlights the the difficulty of moving forward with any kind of peace agenda involving the Palestinian Authority um, the uh, subsequent statement by Mahmoud Abbas uh, by Abu Mazen It uh, was issued uh, later yesterday. And he reaffirmed that he considers the Holocaust the most heinous crime in modern human history. And he stressed that his remarks in Berlin were not intended to deny the singularity of the Holocaust that occurred in the last century. Okay, clearly they were meant to deny their singularity if he said Israel had committed 50 holocausts. The clarifying statement went on to say that Mr. Abbas had been referring to the crimes and massacres committed against the Palestinian people at the hands of Israeli forces over the past 75 years. These crimes have not stopped to this day, his statement said. Over the past uh, uh, year, they point out in the New York Times, the Israeli government has made many concessions to the Palestinians, such as expanding the number of people who are allowed to cross daily from the Occupied West Bank and the Gaza Strip to work in Israel, and increasing engagement with Palestinian officials. Uh, the, one of the problems here is that uh, this was not the first time Mr. Abbas has been accused of anti-Semitism and Holocaust revisionism. He had a 1983 book, The Other Side, The Secret Relationship Between Nazism and the Zionists, based on his doctoral thesis. Mr. Abbas argued that Zionist leaders colluded with the Nazis to worsen the horrible conditions for Jews in Europe with the aim of spurring them to immigrate to Palestine. The book also questioned the figure of 6 million Jewish Holocaust victims, claiming that the number was actually less than 1 million. Okay, he wrote a book like that in 1983. Again, one of the... Uh, gestures that I think would be deeply meaningful would be uh, Israel makes a point of taking foreign leaders, even foreign leaders who may be somewhat hostile, to visit Yad Vashem, which is the extremely moving and very graphic Holocaust museum which uh, uh, occupies a prominent location in modern Jerusalem. And Abu Mazen uh, ought to visit. At the same time, right on the same page, Israel and Turkey renewing relations after four years chill. This is uh, actually a very good thing. Once upon a time, and when I say once upon a time, 15 years ago, uh, Israel and Turkey were actually allies. Turkey was one of the few Muslim countries that actually was very accepting and pro-Israel. That's changed under the Islamist president of Turkey, under Erdogan, Recep type Erdogan. And now he has welcomed the president of Israel, President Herzog, for a visit in Turkey. They've flown the Israeli flag in respect. And as they report, after years of testy on-and-off-again relations, Israel and Turkey announced yesterday they were restoring full diplomatic ties and would be exchanging ambassadors again after not doing so for four years that's a very positive thing for israel certainly but for the united states of america and for the nato alliance we will be right back on the michael medved show
0: All across america this is the michael medved show
1: and on the michael medved show just minutes before we went on the air here today the uh judge in uh, florida in west palm beach uh whose name is bruce reinhardt he's the crucial judge he authorized the uh search uh and the search warrant on president trump's home He also authorized the public release of that search warrant, and uh, release of information about what materials the FBI agents had taken from Mar-a-Lago. He's now been confronted with a push by a lot of news organizations. Uh, The Trump administration, it's not the Trump administration, it's Team Trump, has sort of stood aside from it, But uh, the government does not want the affidavit, which is the basis for the search warrant, released. They say it would interfere with an ongoing criminal investigation. And today the judge uh, basically issued his ruling, and it's a split-the-difference ruling. He said, okay, you don't want to release this to the public too bad. There's profound public interest in it. And we are going to release uh, at least part of it. What he would allow, however, is for the government to have a week to go over all the information in the affidavit, where they make their criminal case against Trump, basically. And if there are things that involve specific witnesses or specific uh, classified material or stuff that the government says should not be released they would come back and redact it. In other words, they would have, and you've seen this in some documents that have been released by the government, a big black splotches where that, those elements of the document are basically blacked out. Uh, and then Judge Reinhardt, next Thursday, a week from today, would get this governmental response. He would go over it and either approve the redactions or he wouldn't. And as he put it in his ruling, if he doesn't approve the redactions, if it's just a contest between him and the Justice Department, he wins. And that's because he's the judge in this matter. This is the way the decision was reported on ABC News. Listen. Catherine, let me get right to you. Give us more details on the judge's ruling.
2: So Judge Reinhardt is one of the few people who has seen and read this affidavit. He says that he's not inclined to uh, keep the whole thing under seal, that there could be portions of this that he could reasonably uh, believes, that reasonably could be released. Now, we should make clear that he has not ruled on this, Kenneth. He has not said uh, that it should be fully unsealed. Uh, The government now has a week to go back and go through this affidavit, which was described as lengthy, to then propose their redactions. The judge said they would then have some sort of conference maybe the judge would propose his own redactions and they try to uh, come to something that they could agree on here well the government's argument in there was uh, to keep the whole thing under seal they said if they release this with any redactions it would essentially be meaningless to the media because it wouldn't say much Uh, look they argued that this could compromise uh, witnesses uh, that have spoken to them that maybe will speak to them in this ongoing investigation that it's still in the early stages and it could compromise any future action that they take uh, as it relates to this
1: investigation of potentially others okay uh, the judge Reinhardt surprising decision struck a middle course this is the New York Times between the Justice Department which wanted to keep the affidavit entirely under wraps as its investigation into mr. Trump's handling of classified documents continued and a group of news organizations which requested that it be released in full to the public a warrant affidavits, which are written and sworn to by federal agents before a search takes place, contain detailed information about criminal investigations and are almost always kept under seal until charges are filed. As part of his ruling, Judge Reinhardt ordered the government to send him under seal proposed redactions to the warrant affidavit by next Thursday at noon. He said he would review the suggestions and decide if he agreed with them. This is going to be a considered careful process, Judge Reinhart said. Uh, It means that uh, this kind of controversy and uncertainty will be extended for a while. And uh, does that mean that, uh, I mean, with everything else going on, that uh, everybody can calm down for a while? I don't think so. Not when you have on another front in a multi-front war, uh, Alex H. Weiselberg, for decades one of Donald J. Trump's most trusted executives, has reached a deal to plead guilty today and to admit to participating in a long-running tax scheme at the former president's family business, a serious blow to the company that could heighten the risk of an upcoming trial on related charges. Mr. Weisselberg will have to admit to all 15 felonies that prosecutors in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office accused him of, according to people with knowledge of the matter. And if he is called as a witness in the company's trial in October, he will have to testify about his role in the scheme to avoid paying taxes on lavish corporate perks, uh, the uh, people familiar with the case said his uh, potential testimony will put the Trump Organization at a disadvantage and is likely to make Mr. Weisselberg a central witness in the October trial, where the company, the company itself, the Trump Organization, will face many of the same charges. Now, let me make clear here. The Trump Organization is not Trump. It's an organization. I mean, one of the reasons you have a corporation is to limit an individual's liability. However, if his company at a time when he was still very much directing it as a hands-on leader, is convicted of anything like the 15 felonies that Alan uh, Weisselberg is now admitting to, hoping to reduce the time he spends in jail. Nobody knows exactly how much that's going to be now, but it will be some uh, plus fines. Uh, meanwhile, on a happier note, Ron DeSantis who many uh, Trump supporters believe is the best possible alternative to uh, President Trump. He uh, uh, has just announced three proposals for the 2023 legislative session that will help support and grow Florida's teaching workforce and leverage the talents of Florida's retired veterans and first responders. The proposals include a recruitment initiative targeted to bring retired first responders and retired veterans to the classroom through fee waivers and bonuses, an apprenticeship program that provides bonuses to teachers for mentoring uh, aspiring teachers with an associate's degree to gain hands-on teaching experience and a scholarship program for K-12 teachers interested in teaching dual enrollment courses on high school campuses. All of this is very good, and it's very positive. And uh, there's also something positive, that though actually it's negative, regarding a new bill just passed by the Congress and signed by President Biden, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, this is DeSantis about that idea of hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. This is clip two.
0: And I think of all the things that have come out of Washington uh, that have been outrageous, uh, this has got to be pretty close to the top, and and I think it was basically just a middle finger uh, to the American public that this is what they think of you, all these problems we have to deal with, and they think the way is to do 87,000 IRS agents, there's going to be more people in the IRS than in like a lot of these other agencies combined now um, you know, they're not putting very much might down at the border. I can tell you that right now. But they want to be able to do it and, and unleash them on uh, American taxpayers. And so so that's wrong. Uh, fortunately, you know, that's one of the reasons we don't have an income tax is because if you don't have an income tax, you don't ha- you don't empower revenue agents. Once you do that income tax, that gives them the ability to really go in um, and potentially target
1: OK, when he says we don't have an income tax, he means in Florida they don't have a state income tax they're one of nine states that doesn't there's only one uh, blue state so called one uh, more liberal tending state where there is no state income tax that's called the state of washington and one of the reasons it's crucial for everybody to go out And vote in the upcoming uh, elections that are going to decide the control of uh, the state legislature, the state of Washington, and to protect our uh, blessed escape from state income taxes, which can be in in other states 10, 11, 13 percent it is in California. I mean... Uh, come on, this is one of those reasons it's very much worthwhile at least creating a blocking segment of the state legislature and uh, helping to reinforce some of the Republicans down there. Uh, we will reinforce our uh, own discussion, joined by Mona Charon a little bit later. She has written an incredible piece that says Does defense of democracy? require letting Donald Trump off the hook. That on some of the many charges that are being made against him. Thought-provoking, important, you bet, with more coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth.